برای توی کوچه رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای تغییر مغزها که پوسیدن برای شرمندگی برای بیپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبال گرد و آرزوهاش برای It's been a steady flow. I, I don't think that it slowed down at all. I think every single time uh, the Islamic Republic executes or murders another young Iranian, the rage continues on. And I think people in Iran and in the di- diaspora really truly believe We can't take our foot off the gas pedal because that means that all of these young, incredible lives that have been lost would have been lost in vain. Yeah. Take us that. And I think uh, what's... Uh, uh, let me first start. Thank you so much for having us. Um, but uh, I want to emphasize that in Iran, if you talk to you know political experts, what's taking place there, the... The wheels of the revolution that's going really well. Um, those the people in Iran, you have to understand that they've been tortured basically for 44 years. So they are not stopping. There's no sign of them stopping because they know if they stop, um, they'll continue to get tortured. And um, uh, and the U.S. Um, you know we're working harder um, to. To bring awareness um, uh, and get politicians and important people in the society here to stand with the people of Iran, um, because you know it allows. We, we're pretty confident that re- the revolution is going to be successful, but the issue is that we don't want too much bloodshed. So we need people to stand with the Iranian people, so that this revolution could take place quicker. And there's less bloodshed. Uh, we don't want innocent lives to just g- gone. So that's uh, I think that's what um, we're really working on in, in, in the diaspora. So was this, and, and forgive me for for not knowing my history here, but in 1979, when I, was it? Uh, God, I, I can't pronounce it correctly, but Khomeini. Khomeini, I don't know if I said that correct. When he came back from exile and the Islamic Republic like took over, um, was that the start of all this or was it preceding that? It actually, that's, that's a really interesting thing that you brought up about the revolution of 1979 because what's been frustrating for the diaspora is that the rest of the world seems to be so hands-off of the human rights violations that are taking place in Iran. And we want so badly to believe that this notion that the United States is only interested in the Middle East because of our oil is not true. But unfortunately, history tells us otherwise. During 1979 and the years prior to the 1979 revolution, if you look up interviews, BBC, the United States, all of the West was putting a lot of light on the Shah of Iran is treating his people badly. There are a lot of human rights violations. 
and really the West stuck their nose into Iran's business and facilitated the bringing of Ayatollah Khomeini to Iran in 1979. So today, so once Ayatollah Khomeini came into power during the Islamic Revolution, thousands of people, thousands of innocent people, whether they were of the Baha'i faith, faith whether they were um, from opposition groups, were slaughtered in the hands of this new regime. But the West stopped caring about human rights violations as soon as the 1979 revolution. And so now that we have social media, now that we have proof and we say, look, they're killing innocent children, 10-year-olds, 7-year-olds, 6-year-olds, please do the same thing you did in 1979. Everyone's a little bit more hands-off. So it's interesting that you bring in that revolution because that revolution would have never been successful had the West not played a key role. And I am a firm believer that we cannot fix what we don't acknowledge. So we have to acknowledge it was Air France that brought Ayatollah Khomeini, that the United States, that English, the, that England, all of these collective um, countries worked together to overthrow the Shah. A lot of Iranians thought that that was the, a good decision also. And as soon as he was gone, Nobody cared about human rights violations in Iran anymore. And what we're trying to do is is bring it to light via social media. It's unfortunate that any kind of religion is attached to some form of maniacal extremism that 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 then gives them the the way out, right? Um, that oh no, this is this is what it says in the Quran. Like, come on, bullshit. Like that's not what it is. I feel like all of these things that are happening across the globe have always been happening within our own backyard, across the globe, what have you. Social media, the only thing it has done is that it's basically put a finger on them and given people access to witness in real time when most people nowadays are thinking that this is all new. This is this is stuff that's never happened before. I'm like, have you studied history? I think it's a little bit concerning if uh, the world just sees this and they normalize it. I think it'll have a bigger effects uh, to the whole world, to humanity, if you if you just watch this and allow it to happen. Um, you're, you're, you normalize this, and like you mentioned, this could, later on, that's how it'll come into your own backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back 44 years, maybe not that many people would, would know because of, you know, lack of social media and such. They would not know what was going on and uh, you know maybe they would not take any sort of action then uh, because it's just the lack of the information. But now that you see it, and if you allow it, you're going to have all these troubles taking place in the Middle East. But it's not disconnected. The world's all connected. You're gonna you're gonna have terrorism. You're gonna have those things coming to your own backyard. So it's a it's a worldwide issue. It's a Western issue. It's it's an American issue. Um, if we just if we watch just watch this, what Iranians are fighting for it's not just Iran because Islamic Republic is not only in Iran; they're everywhere, and they're number one supporter of terrorism, and they are growing their like ideology and their they go like brainwash other people into their ideology and. What we're fighting for is actually for the whole world. So it's not just you're fighting for a free Iran, but you're fighting for 
it's like a warped revolution against evil, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, if you look at if you look at everything that's taking place on a global spectrum, uh, our world is in chaos. In every direction that you look, you're seeing pockets of humanity in in canyons of evil. It's not enough. You know, it's not enough. So like you have to you have to get into a some sort of awareness to understand like what the hell is going on. Like here's something, for instance, like I was reading about uh, Italy's prime minister talking about how how the 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 crackdown of protesters and is unacceptable, it's intolerable and yada, yada, yada. It's like you're having all of these these world leaders and coming in to speak on something. But. I haven't really seen any action from any side. No, and, and and I think what is frustrating, and again, not to, you know, kind of going back to your point real quick about social media and us educating the masses, I think it's important. I, I actually had a really great time talking to some non-Iranian friends, and they were telling me that they don't really understand and know what we need them to do, like our non-Iranian friends. And this was really great feedback for me because I didn't realize that they're taking in this information and not realizing, okay, what do you want us to do? And so mm-hmm. as as people that are active on social media, exactly like what you said earlier today, Mo, you said, Massa, you guys need to kind of explain it at a third grade level where they can really understand what is happening and what you're asking for from your American um, uh, friends. And so that, I think, is the number one thing that we need to do on social media. The other thing that we were talking about as far as no meaningful action, you know, like to your point, you're hearing a lot of uh, world leaders came to the set, come center stage and say, stop doing this. But then with the same breath, we're not entering and since we're not ending diplomacy, we're basically telling the Islamic Republic there will be no consequences for your uh, for your actions. That's exactly what we're doing. We hold Russia and Russian officials to a different level of responsibility. They are sanctioned at a much, much more... In fact, Russia has been completely isolated from the world. However, we're not doing that against the Islamic Republic. And that is the part that I have a really hard time reconciling because the people of Iran are unarmed. They are using military-grade weapons against their own unarmed citizens, where Russia is going against Ukraine's military. It's military against military. The killing of your own people, who is going to stand up for those unarmed citizens if the rest of the world is just turning a blind eye? That's the part that bothers me. As a mother, when I watch a video of an Iranian mother putting ice on her 10-year-old child's dead body, there is no one that she could cry out to for justice. It's not like the United States where there is a judicial system that the murderers of her child are ever going to see just uh, that she's ever going to be able to seek justice for the murder of her son. So that's the part that I have a really hard time reconciling because there's a very clear difference how our leaders are treating Russia and Russian officials than they are treating the Islamic Republic and the Islamic Republic. Yeah, I think some of that issue comes from 
the Islamic Republic not being in the spotlight for for long enough, versus Russia has been in the spotlight. So we've always said Putin's bad, Putin's bad. But we haven't put these people in the spotlight. So now, all of a sudden, within a matter of a few months, we're trying to bring that attention. Um, I feel like that's the that's what that's why these politicians are not taking meaningful action because they don't have that much heat on them. If we put the heat on the Islamic Republic, make the public know that Islamic Republic is just evil. It's a totalitarian regime. And uh, their constituents of these politicians will be forced to to listen to their um, to their citizens in the U.S. Um, and not, you know, make deals. They call it diplomacy, but it's not. This is not diplomacy. You, you don't. You can't do diplomacy with a with uh, you know a terrorist, a totalitarian um, dictator. Um, so if we get enough of the enough of the people in the Western world to really understand that this is not the name is the name is Islamic Republic but it's not Islamic Republic their way is terrorist organization terrorism is their way um, it's, that's just a name that they have um, so I feel like you know, that's why podcasts and, and, and information getting information out in Instagram or social media Twitter it's so important um and it'll eventually lead to politicians taking action, but uh, we just have to be continue the pressure. I mean, that's the only way, and bringing that awareness at the same time. Eighty million people are their slaves. If that makes sense, there's no system. The system is like a decoration. If I can yeah. like explain it, it's like a decor. Like it, even like the they ask me, oh, who is the president? The president came. Um, that's the Raisis. I'm not kidding. Like. It's not about the president is just a decor. The system is a terrorist system. They terrorize people, they murder people, and they get their way by murder and torture. It sounds like it's the group of people making the decisions that are. Right. Yeah. They have the they have the appearance as a legitimate uh, um, government, government, right? But the, but yeah, they have the supreme leader, and then. Supreme leader is the president, but who who basically oversees the president is the supreme leader. And so, and then if you protest against the government, who are you protesting against? God's supreme leader. So then, what are you really protesting? Crimes against God. And then, what's the punishment for your crime against God? It's death. So yeah. that's it's a theocracy, and it's done. But if we look at it like, oh look, we have a parliament, we have judges. We have trials, but then what we understand as a, um, you know, like the, there was this campaign of saying that the Iranian influence and activists were spreading misinformation and that these oh, yeah. 14,000 at the time, now there's 18,000 prisoners were not actually going to be executed. That statement was basically assuming that the Islamic regime or in Islamic Republic there is such a thing as a judicial system. There isn't. It is a nod. Uh, an incredible influencer actually said this. I'm quoting her. She said, it's a nod of the supreme leader and off with the heads of the 18,000 people. So you could be tried for a crime on Monday without an attorney, without evidence, 
The judge is also the prosecutor. So w imagine th that judicial system. Then you get sentenced to death on Monday. By Wednesday morning, at dawn, you're being executed. There, there was basically um, a viral um, campaign, you know, that, that the Iranian community and, and other, um, you know, influencers got started on, on, on social media where we were bringing awareness to around 14,000 people that were uh, at risk of execution. On that, Steve, on the, that flyer or that post, it said Iranians, 14,000 Iranians have been sentenced to death. So yeah. some of these fact checkers went around and said, this is a lie. They haven't been sentenced. They're not at risk, practically. They downplayed it. Assuming that, you know, Iran has a, a legal system or a you know, judicial system. They were arguing about it too. Yeah. Um, so there was... And they they downplayed they they downplayed that risk and they it, it caused a kind of mistrust um, in the community because of that. Um, and then and we well, what we, what's frustrating is that the mainstream media is not covering the murder and slaughter of children of seven year olds of exactly by the hands of the government, but they were all so quick yep. to. To enter the the conversation, and say, "Oh, misinformation! Eight, fourteen thousand people haven't actually been sentenced. They were this. This was just what we had was that two hundred and twenty-seven of the two hundred seventy member. I don't know the numbers exactly. Parliament. The majority of the parliament had said, "What should we do with these fourteen thousand protesters, which are now eighteen thousand, by the way?" What should we do with them? And they all, the majority of them, 227 of the 270, voted, let's kill them. Let's execute them. And so that's why the Iranian community in the diaspora got upset and started this campaign of saying, stop these executions or do something to stop what's happening. And then the mainstream media c comes and goes, huh, who's spreading misinformation? These people weren't sentenced to death yeah. in a court of law. So this is misinformation. It's offensive to our intelligence and it's offensive to every single Iranian who has been slaughtered by the yeah. hands of their own government. That's the part that I really want Americans to understand. This is, you have no one to call. When someone comes and slaughters your child or breaks into your home, rapes your daughter, you cannot call the police. They are the police. You have nobody to go to. And these are unarmed citizens. It's not like there's a militia in Iran fighting against the Islamic Republic, and this is for their national interest. These are literally unarmed teenagers. And Mo, I want to say one thing. A lot of people are willing to give their life for freedom. We Right? This is not... If they just would kill these young people, it would be different. They don't just kill them. They brutally in the worst, most horrific ways imaginable, torture them, and then they murder them. And and that's the thing. They're so sadistic in the way that... And that's, that's the only way they've been able to maintain power for 44 years. Exactly. And, uh, torture your loved ones, too. And, torture and, our loved ones. Exactly. Exactly. Torture your loved ones. And, and these 
heinous public executions where you're blindfolded, your hands are behind. It's so barbaric. So these people, I'm using that term people lightly, don't deserve diplomacy with the rest of the world because if they're willing to kill their own, their own, what do you think they're going to do with the children of Americans? What do you think they're going to do? Do you really think the world is going to be safe from a nuclear weapon? They can't give mercy to children of their own blood. Any American on either side of the political aisle not caring. I, I think what bothers me, and I hate to admit this, is that this is in the Middle East. And I think we're a little desensitized. We just assume this is what happens in the Middle East. And we don't understand that Middle Easterners, they, they are some of the richest cultures with so much love, so much family. There's so much. And I think the entire Middle Eastern country, uh, community has this cloud of shame that kind of carries, they carry with them because of this minority, ruthless group of people that have held on to so many of these lands and rule with such force and brutality. And, and so this is not what the Middle East is meant to be and they deserve better than that. And we should care just as much about innocent Iranian children dying as we should care about innocent Ukrainian children dying. We need to find kind of what what's what could be a benefit to the United States, aside from the fact that the world will be a safer place because yeah. uh, this regime will be gone. Their their desire for a nuclear weapon will be gone. There's so much opportunity, and and I, and it's been so frustrating that Silicon Valley has been so silent because we have so many really successful Iranians. But there's so much opportunity. Iran is a country with rich resources, and there's so much opportunity for big tech, um, for for these big corporations to do business with Iran. We haven't been able to do business with them for years because of uh, ongoing sanctions. So I think there is a, a, a huge opportunity. It's not going to be easy. We are not asking for military intervention we're not asking for any money what we're just saying is stop supporting the islamic republic by continuing diplomacy with them end diplomacy expel their diplomats and let them face their own people and um, face their reign of terror that's going to come to an end thank you so much for your time i want to also add to that so i want to say thank you so much for you and thank you so much for all your listeners i would really urge them to to yeah understand that helpful for humanity it's helpful in terms of resources it's just helpful to the whole world it's a win-win situation we could have peace in iran and in, in the middle east um so i really urge them if they now understand the situation they understand this please reach out to their politicians and just simply ask to to not make deals with dictators, totalitarian regime, whatever you want to call it, please do not make diplomacy with Islamic Republic. It could be as simple as that. Um, and uh, you could do that basically by um, finding your representative, um, their phone number, give me a call, 
calling is the best method. There's also a website, iraniansTogether.org, that has a system that you could easily like send a message. Uh, or you could find it yourself, find your politician's email. But calling is the best method is more effective. Calling is more effective. Um, the police call them, uh, or at the minimum, send an email. Um, and, and then it's not just politicians. It'll be really helpful to get politicians, but people that are influential in the society in, in the U.S. What was that number again, Nick? Um, so their phone number, um, their, I think Massa has a link on her Instagram profile. You can find their phone numbers there. But there's okay. a website if you want to send an email. It's already pre-written too. Yes, Iranians, Iranians with the S of them, Iranians Together dot org. Um, okay. And it just it makes an email, uh, sending out an email to your politician, local representative easier. Um, okay. But the perf- the preference is that you call. Calling is more effective advocacy. Um, calling is a little bit more because um, they could always politicians could always say I didn't receive the email. Um, went through my junk but if you call them they're by law they they have to transcribe the call um and we, we just ask you to, to to tell them to not make diplomacy with the islamic republic کوچه رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای تغییر مغزها که پوسیدن برای شرمندگی برای بیپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبالگرد و آرزوهاش برای این اقتصاد دستوری برای این هوای آلوده برای ولی اصر و درختای فرسوده برای پیروز و اعتمال انقرازش برای سکهای بیگناه ممنوعه برای گریه های بیوقفه